0: Today's reading is taken from 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 4, and going through to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, But our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory." And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Audrey. That was the first passage I preached on in this church 20 years ago. Uh, Danny and Janet were probably here. Uh, (laughs) We'll see if uh, if, uh, John mentions Dennis the Little, whose story I told as the introduction to that sermon. He probably won't. Good morning, everyone. And let me start by telling you about Dennis uh, the Little... No, <laughs> I can't. I'm as intrigued as you are, so I will be asking uh, Mike uh, afterwards. Now, on a slightly different tack, though, what I want to begin with is a question. And uh, the question is, um, are you worrying or lacking confidence about anything uh, this morning? Maybe there's an event on the horizon, something coming up, uh, an, an assessment, maybe uh, a test... Um, maybe an awkward conversation, a work deadline, doctor's appointment, something like that. Uh, it's happening soon. And to be honest, you're a little apprehensive, maybe, a little bit worried about it. Or maybe you're worried that you've, this is a more sort of general worry, that you've just not really got what it takes. You've not got what it takes to, to do your job, um, uh, to, to be the role that you have in your family. Maybe you're just worried that you, you don't have it in you to, to help with that particular ministry. Or perhaps there's a decision that you know you need to take. Uh, you know it's the right decision, um, but you've been putting it off, and you're just not sure whether you've got the confidence to make that decision and, um, and go through with it um, or, or, or not. I don't know. If, if, like me, any of those ring even vaguely true for you, Uh, then this next bit of Paul's uh, letter to the church in Corinth provides a great antidote to those fears. Because it's all about the massive difference that God, the Holy Spirit, makes to us today as we try and live for Jesus in every single area of our lives. So if you haven't already, please do uh, turn back to uh, 2 Corinthians and chapter uh, three. Um, it's really important that you do this, by the way. Um, it's important that you, you check what is being said from the front uh, tallies with what is written uh, in God's word, whether that's Mike speaking, uh, me, anyone else. It's good to have it uh, open uh, in front of you. Uh, I know I've said this before, but I do encourage you to bring your Bibles uh, with you to church so that you can you can have your Bible open in front of you. I know lots of us have got them on their phones. Um, uh, so if you've got your Bible on your phone, you might want to turn off <laughs> uh, those notifications because uh, sometimes that can distract us, can't it, as we, as we go. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's a really good uh, thing, to a uh, really good habit to get into, to have God's Word with you. Um, maybe even a pen or a notepad, take some notes. Um, there are notes available. Some of you will be, uh, given those. Um, will have been given those when you came in. If you haven't uh, got a copy of that and you'd like it, just put your, put your, uh, your hand up because, um, yeah, there's a, a couple of hands down here, um, one down here. Thanks, Judith. Yeah, a couple down here. So if you haven't got a copy of the sheet, um, there's plenty available. So just put, put your hand up, uh, and we'll get those to you uh, now. So just, yeah, keep, keep your hand up nice and high so Judith can see. That would be great. Right, as, we, as uh, we're doing that, let me, uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we do ask this morning that you would help us um, by the power of your Holy Spirit to understand your word. Uh, And as we look at it together and and, uh, seek your guidance to understand it, we would pray that you would change us, uh, that you would not let any one of us leave this place this morning unchanged. And we pray it for your name and your glory. Amen. So, 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 3, verse 4, begins um, like this. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. What confidence is Paul talking about? Such confidence as this. Let me remind you of what we looked at last time. Uh, do you remember that those who, who, who try and, and live faithfully for Jesus in this fallen world are described in 2 Corinthians as God's aroma, God's, God's smell um, to those who are perishing? Uh, sometimes that's, that's received as a, as, a, as a sweet smell, sometimes maybe not. But we're also described as living, breathing letters who are led by Jesus Christ himself. And so when Paul asks, as he does in, in verse 16 of chapter 2, who is equal to such a task? The answer he's expecting is not, well, it's not us, it's we are. <laughs> That's the answer he's expecting. We are equal to such a task, and we can have confidence such as this. Verse 4, through Christ before God. The danger is, though, that once we've got in that place, <laughs> we've got the confidence, uh, that that confidence can very quickly turn into something else it can turn into sort of an arrogant self-sufficiency if you like and so when we cope uh, and we're doing all right and when we succeed in life and things are things are going well the temptation is to think that we are the ones who have done a good job and the success is as a result of our own abilities or our own competence in, in in a certain area and Paul is quick to correct that way of thinking here So in verse 5, he says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Quickly corrects any potential imbalance that may have been received. And here, in a nutshell, if you like... Is the formula that lies at the heart of this letter. We're stressing this uh, time and and time again as we go through. I I do hope you're picking it up as we go, but it's also uh, my first point uh, this morning. Our weakness plus his strength equals life giving confidence. Our weakness plus his strength equals life giving confidence. In preparation for today, I came across this quote by a chap called uh, Oswald Chambers. Uh, He was an evangelist, a Bible teacher from the early 20th century. Uh, I think this is great, and uh, I've been reflecting on it, and I want to keep reflecting on it. He wrote this. God can achieve his purpose either through the absence of human power and resources or the abandonment of reliance on them. All through history, God has chosen and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and grace. He chose and used somebodies only when they renounced dependence on their natural abilities and resources. I love that quote. I think I think it's a great quote. So take heart. Take heart. God uses nobodies and somebodies, but God uses nobodies and somebodies who depend on Him. God uses nobodies and somebodies who depend on Him to display His power and His grace. This is the formula: our weakness. His strength equals life-giving confidence. How we, needed to be reminded, how we need to be reminded of this every uh, single day, in every uh, single circumstance. Whether we're aware at the moment of our weaknesses, whether we're fearing at the moment, or whether we are not. So where does this confidence, where does Paul's confidence in this formula come from? Well, if you go track down to uh, verse uh, 6, we, we'll see it there. In verse 6, he says, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Paul's confidence comes from two places. It comes from the new covenant, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. The new covenant's ability to supernaturally transform the human heart, and the Holy Spirit's life-changing, the Holy Spirit's enabling power. Paul's weakness plus the Lord's strength equals his confidence. Our weakness plus the Lord's strength equals unbeatable, life-giving confidence. In 1955, a certain American evangelist by uh, the name of Billy Graham, some of you will have, been, will have heard of, of him. He was a very uh, uh, well-known and influential evangelist in the 20th century. He was invited to speak at Cambridge University. There was a lot of opposition to that. Uh, uh, he was American, um, and uh, uh, in those days, I guess, uh, there was a certain snobbery against that. He was also quite young. Um, and uh, so he, he sort of met a bit of his, uh, opposition from the English establishment. He was actually 36, but uh, 36 he was al- already very well experienced in what he was doing. Uh, but the thought of leading a mission at that prestigious institution um, coupled with this opposition weighed heavily on him. And uh, he wrote a letter to John Stott, who some of you may well have heard of, another uh, influential Bible teacher. And in that letter, Billy Graham wrote this. He says, I do not know that I have ever felt more inadequate and totally unprepared for a mission. As I think over the possibility for messages, I realize how shallow and weak my presentations are. It's from one of the most gifted communicators, we would say in human terms, um, uh, of, of the last century. So after three nights of preaching in a church in the center of Cambridge, the, the results by, by the Billy Graham standard were quite, quite modest. Um, he sort of did a bit of self-evaluation by his own evaluation. He, his talks were too academic. Um, he realized he was preaching perhaps more to please his, his audience than he was preaching to please and honor God. And so he, he changed tack and he, he reverted to his weak and his shallow presentations. And Billy Graham's weakness plus the Spirit's life Giving transformative power enabled many people, many people that week, to come to faith in Jesus. Friends, God is not looking for gifted people. He is looking for inadequate, weak people who will hand that over to him, who will give that weakness to him and allow themselves to be a conduit, a vessel, a means of his strength. And so, when God calls you i don 't say if, <laughs> but when God calls you, don't hide behind your weakness i don 't know what it is that, that God is calling you to do um, at the moment. could be any manner of things couldn 't it could be to maybe maybe that's a sort of a, a nagging uh, doubt or nagging thought has been. Pushing away in the back of your mind that you really want to be getting involved in world mission or doing something elsewhere in another country for the Lord. Maybe you, you you've got a, that sort of nagging doubt, and you want to be getting involved with a ministry area in this church. You know, whether it's with our youth work or or helping with the music or the tech desk or, or helping to welcome people, tea and coffee. We need people in, in all of these in all of these areas. Maybe uh, you you want to get more involved with with outreach in the local community or. Maybe you're just wishing you could step up a little bit more at work and, and, and live, live faithfully in that area. But whatever it is, the temptation will be to hide behind our weakness. I can't talk like that. I can't bake as well as she does. I, I don't have that gift of dot, 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 whatever, whatever it might be. And you know what? That's fine. In fact, it's more than fine. <laughs> Because it's how it's supposed to be. It's how it's meant to be, your weakness, plus his strength, equals that life-giving confidence. This formula could, could not be any more glorious or wonderful. Um, indeed, this is what Paul goes on to state next in verses 7 uh, through to 11. And it's my uh, second main point this morning. The ministry of the, of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit's ministry is enduringly, it is eternally glorious. And before I read these these few verses, let me just uh, say this. What Paul is doing, what he's teaching here is basically a commentary on um, Exodus 32 through to 34. And uh, that's the bit in the Old Testament where um, Israel breaks its promise, its, it's promise to, to follow God and to, to, to follow his, his rules and, and, and the commandments. Uh, they, uh, they make a golden calf, uh, which, by the way, uh, you'll see a wonderful knitted illustration of just, uh, just down here. If you haven't, haven't seen any of these, as Mike was saying earlier, just take some time to, to have a wander around. Come back through the week. This, this knitted Bible is, is, is fabulous. Um, but uh, as, as Israel rebel, they're very nearly completely annihilated. And Paul is providing a sort of commentary on, on that on that portion of the Old Testament uh, here. And so he, he does this by making a whole series of contrasts. And this first contrast is between the, the old covenant represented by Moses in the Ten Commandments and, and, and the new covenant um, of, of reconciliation with God through Christ by, by his spirit. Uh, so look out for that contrast as we go. So this is verse 7 to 11. Now, if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters on stone, think, tablets of stone, Ten Commandments. Uh, if that ministry was engraved in letters o- on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily into the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, How much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? So look, there is no question here. There is no question that the old covenant was glorious. Yes, it brought death. Yes, it was carved in stone. Yes, it threatened to consume all of the Israelites. But when Moses descended from Mount Sinai with those, those Ten Commandments, his, his face was literally glowing. It was radiant. The giving of the law was an awesome, wonderful, precious, glorious thing. But, in the end, that old covenant just ends up condemning us all. Why? Why? Well, in know, of itself, there's nothing wrong with the law. The problem lies with us, because our hearts are hard and rebellious, and self-centered, which means that we can never keep the law. I don't know if you want uh, if you want proof of that. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example. You know, just put in your mind, just very good, a thought a thought experiment. What's the first thought that goes through your mind when you're walking past that patch of grass and you see that sign, do not walk on the grass? (laughs) What's the first thought? I want to walk on the grass. You can only do 50 miles an hour down this dual carriageway. Mm, There's no other cars around. No, I want to do 51, 55, whatever it is. You know what I mean. Our natural inclination since the earliest days has been to break the law. And so we fall under the just penalty of failing to keep God's law. Which he says, in his word, is death. But. But, 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 it doesn't stop there, does it? It doesn't stop there. Thanks be to God. The new covenant, the covenant that brings life, is way more glorious than the old. Because instead of condemning us to death, It makes us right with God, verse 9. And gives us eternal life, verse 6. This is the gospel, folks. This is the gospel. And it is absolutely stunning because it is completely undeserved. There's nothing we can do to deserve this. This is what lies at the heart of being a Christian. And if you are here this morning or you're watching with us online, it's great to have you with us online. But if you are here or watching, and you call yourself a Christian, but, but actually you have no understanding of this truth, that you deserve death, but through this glorious ministry of the Holy Spirit, you have been given life, life to the full, both now and through into eternity, if you have no comprehension of that, then, then can I humbly ask you this morning, is it possible that you have missed the very heart of what it means to be a Christian, the very reality of it? I mean, yes, to be a Christian is to follow the teachings of Jesus. Yes, to be a Christian means doing what we're doing now and meeting together and to not give up meeting together regularly and to spending time uh, meeting together. And yes, to be a Christian results in, in changed behavior in all sorts of ways. But we can do all of that without a heart that is changed by the Holy Spirit. And if we do that without a heart, we're effectively still living under that old covenant. And we are condemned to an eternity Without God. There is a fate worse than death, contrary to popular belief, and that's it. It is an eternity without God. This is why the ministry of the Holy Spirit is enduringly glorious, because whenever He is at work in our lives, through the gospel of Jesus. Now, whether that's through what I'm doing now, the preaching of God's word on a Sunday morning, or whether it's through everyday conversations that we have with each other, whether it's in families, whether it's in our schools, whether it's at our schools meeting their school Christian unions, there are assemblies taking place, whether it's in our universities, in the Christian unions in, 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 in our universities, whether it's through our loving acts of service, in workplaces, hospitals, businesses, you get the picture. Wherever that happens, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is glorious because he brings about enduring, permanent, eternal, life-giving heart change. Meaning that we can be made right with God and spend eternity with him. It is simply, it is spectacularly, it is wonderfully, it is glorious, eternally glorious. Therefore, Paul says in verse 12, since we have such a hope. And what follows are three uh, results, effects, if you like, that flow out of the Holy Spirit's ministry. So thirdly, the Holy Spirit's ministry brings three things. Boldness brings freedom and transformation. Let's look at each of those briefly in turn. Uh, Firstly, boldness. This is uh, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope. We are very bold (laughs) because we have this hope. Our our hope doesn't come from our own gifts, our own abilities, our our, our own words, our own skill. Our source of courage is the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives us confidence to tell other people about Jesus. Uh, This was Paul's experience, and indeed he he makes another contrast, Uh, this time, if you like, between him and Moses. So this is verse 13. Verse 13. We're not like Moses, he says, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. That's what Moses did, Paul says. After he had spoken to the people, he he hid his face, his radiant face, behind a veil. In other words, Paul is saying, look, we don't need to be like that. We don't need to do that. The glory of the gospel isn't something that ever needs to be hidden from view like that. Uh, let me give you a couple of examples of where that, that can happen. That can happen from people like me, Christian ministers in, in a pulpit, whether it's a real one like this or, or, or um, you know, just speaking from, in a different church context from the front of church. But Christian ministers who, who, who do not teach their congregations the full revelation of God in, as it is revealed throughout his word from the beginning of the Old Testament through to the end of the New Testament preferring instead just to give platitudes and, and maybe thoughts for the day. Such men and women are keeping the gospel veiled and ultimately they're doing themselves no good and they're doing their congregations no good at all. Or what about a personal example? I remember when I went to university and uh, I initially kept quite a low profile as a, as a, as a Christian. I, I put a veil over the gospel, I put a veil over my witness to the gospel, if you like, and I got into all sorts of tight spots as a result of that. And so when I joined the Royal Air Force, I was determined that I wasn't going to make the same mistake twice. And I, I remember praying for courage, praying for courage that I wouldn't do that, that I would have an opportunity to, to nail my Christian colors to the mast very, very early on in, 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 that, in that situation. And the answer to my prayer came on my very first day. You know what it's like when you hit in your job, when your organization. One of the things you're you asked to do is give a little presentation about yourself, isn't it? So that was, that was what I was tasked to do day one for the following day. And I remember lying in my bed that night thinking... Okay God how much of this am I going to am I going to say <laughs> you know is it just hi I I'm, I'm, I'm John and I'm a Christian and then move on or is there more you actually want me to say on day 1 and uh, by his grace and in his strength he answered those prayers and I was able to say a little bit about what it meant to be a Christian and how important that was to me and it opened up many doors it closed some doors but it opened up many doors but that boldness was not natural <laughs> That was not the sort of first impression I was looking to make when I rocked up that, that day one in the RAF. That wasn't what I, what I was looking to do. But, friends, the Holy Spirit emboldens us. He emboldens us in all sorts of situations to help him unveil the hearts of others. So this is the second thing, the second thing that the Holy Spirit gives us, freedom. Ooh, I don't, I've moved on a bit too quick. There we go, freedom. This is verse 16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit uh, of the Lord is, there is freedom. So here, Paul is using that, that illustration of being veiled in a, in a slightly different way. There's a, there's a lot we could dissect here, but the, the bottom line is this. People who do not know Jesus are enslaved to their own sin, they are enslaved to, 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 to ignorance. And that is like a veil. It's like a veil over their hearts. And the, Holy, uh, uh, and the only person who can remove that veil is God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I can't do that. You can't do that. We can't do that. We need to be faithful in our witness, yes, but ultimately we cannot change minds. We cannot change hearts. That is the business of God, the Holy Spirit. And so we need to join him and pray to him that he would act in mercy with those we love. Those around us, those around us who, who, whom we live and work amongst. Because all around us right now, right now, even down the street, in the shops, going about their business, people are, are walking around and they are existing with their hearts and their spiritual eyes veiled. They can't understand the truth. They can't see Jesus. They don't know what he's done for them on the cross. As Paul is going to go on and say in in just a few verses time, going into chapter 4, he says that the God of this age, that's Satan. Satan has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light and power of the gospel of the glory of, um, uh, of, of Christ. Satan has blinded the eyes of those around us. How does that make you feel? How do you react to that truth? There are people out there, maybe even in here today, who are blinded to the truth and the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, if that doesn't drive us to our knee, knees in prayer, if it doesn't compel us to, make, to want to make the most of, of every opportunity that we have, to look to try and get Jesus in the name of Jesus into a conversation some, somewhere, then I've got to ask, do we care? Do we care? Do I care? Preaching to myself as, as usual as much as I'm preaching to you guys. Do I care enough about these people? He has promised us boldness. When we are bold, he is the one who will remove the veil and bring freedom. Lastly, the ministry of the Holy Spirit brings transformation. This is uh, verse 18, and there's one more uh, contrast to take note of here. This is the contrast between uh, what we are and uh, what we will be. Verse 18 And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Oh, my goodness me. How many countless saints have been encouraged by this verse? This is a great verse, these words. We could could do a whole sermon on on, on this, uh, this verse alone, I'm sure, but time is rapidly against us. So let me just make a couple of brief comments. To reflect on something, you need to be looking at it. So when we look in a mirror, we need to look in a mirror to see our reflection, don't we? Uh, when you think about the sun and, and the moon, we get the light of, of from the moon. It's a reflection of the sun, and the sun and the moon have to be in line of sight to see each other. They have to be looking at each other, if you like. And the same is true with us. We need to be gazing at God, contemplating him. Reading his word often, speaking to him in, in, in prayer, listening to him. And, and, and when we do, incredibly, marvelously, wonderfully, and when we do that, as we spend time looking at God, we reflect him to others and his glory. But that's not all. The more we do that, the more we gaze and the more we contemplate God, look what happens. We are transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. They say you become like the company you keep don 't they uh, well, if you, the company you keep is Jesus, Paul says, you will become like him. you will become like him it 's true that isn 't it it's about you, but I reflect on the more time I spend in the culture of this world, the time I spend. Watching this world's movies, reading its books, shopping in its shops, looking at its art. The more time I do that, the more time I'm likely to take on its values. But the same is true with Jesus. The more time I spend reading his word, the more time I I spend listening to him, speaking with him, singing his songs, loving his creation, Looking at the art that the other followers and, and believers in Jesus have created. The more I do those sort of things, the more I am transformed into his likeness. And friends, if you're fed up this morning that that process takes so long, <laughs> take heart. Because what Paul says here is it, it, it is a process. It takes time. It's not linear. We have good days. We have bad days. But the promise is to hold on and the sorry the promise to hold on to here is that it is happening it is a process the ministry of the Holy Spirit is transforming us into the likeness of Jesus with ever increasing glory and I want to say amen as a question amen you're allowed to say it back it's all right but that's what the Holy Spirit is doing he is transforming us with ever increasing glory into jesus's likeness therefore therefore in conclusion do not lose heart this is four verse one therefore since through god's mercy we have this ministry paul says we do not lose heart this verse is a classic hinge verse uh, it, it looks back it summarizes what's come before and it's going to look forward to what's coming next so hang on for that. A couple of weeks, we've got a break for Remembrance Sunday. A couple of weeks, we'll be picking this up. James Robson's going to be preaching to us in a couple of weeks' time. But for now, we want to look back. We want to use this verse 4, verse 1, to look back. Since we have this ministry, this, this, this life-giving ministry, this weak, weak but glorious ministry, since we have it, this bold, this freeing, this transformative ministry, we have it by God's power since we have it. We do not lose heart. It's more than just an it though, isn't it? Since we have him, we have God himself by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, I do ask that those of us here this morning who are tempted to, uh, and are, are, are succumbing to that temptation to lose heart, would see these verses, would know these verses. Lord, by your spirit, would you make them alive to us? And Lord, for those who are here who do not yet know you as their Lord and Savior, who are yet not Assured of their eternal destiny with you. Lord, please, again, by the power of your spirit, keep revealing more and more of your love and your truth, your mercy and your grace. So that they may know that they are forgiven. And that an eternity with you is possible. Father, please help us to have this confidence and not lose heart. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.